0: Welcome to Fresh Press for June 23rd, 2020. My name is Gabe.
1: And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music um, where we talk about all sorts of tunes and grooves. And this week, our theme is Marsha P. Johnson.
0: Yeah, so uh, June is pride, uh, obviously, and um, in light of the increase in protests and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, kind of re-energized... Um, we thought we'd bring a theme that blends both the black community and the queer community in a really important figure um, from about the late 1960s to the 1990s, which is Marcia Marsha P. Johnson. So the 51st is it anniversary of the Stonewall Riots is coming up in uh, just a few days? Right, Andrew? And is that how
1: numbers work? I can't do the numbers.
0: I think 1969 to 2020. Right, 51. Yeah, okay. Um, That's
1: 51.
0: Yeah, whatever. This is a music podcast, not a math podcast. <laughs> Although, you know, a math podcast would be fun. Nope, 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 nope. Um, and Marsha P. Johnson was certainly a prominent figure at the Stonewall Riots. Um, there is some existing controversy about how early she was at the actual first riot. I I don't know that that matters so much in the end. There were many important figures involved with the Stonewall riots, um, and she was one of them, and she was definitely there. Um, She was also a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front and a prominent activist in New York City from the 1960s until her death in 92, including with the AIDS movement and a variety of other causes. One of the important roles that she played in the New York community in the 70s was uh, establishing the Star House, um, star standing for street transvestite action revolutionaries um, alongside Sylvia Rivera, and they housed a large number of gay and trans kids in New York City who couldn't be at home for obvious bigoted reasons. And they supported the house with the money that they made primarily from sex work. Later, with the the AIDS epidemic and crisis, she was an important voice for that movement and for having AIDS as a problem in America be recognized. And in a sadly all too familiar story, still, she was found washed up in the Hudson River in 1982, and the police ruled it a suicide, which as we've seen is still something that police continue to do, even when circumstances point to potentially many other factors or racism. And But case was closed in 92 through some activist work within the last decade, including a movie that was made. That case was uh, reopened and no concrete evidence was found, it seems. Um, one way or the other, but the cause of death was changed from suicide to undetermined, and I guess what is a small victory for visibility. In light of her struggle and the important work that she put in for those 25 years, 30 years in New York, we have picked her as our fairly narrow theme for this week to celebrate her life and her work, and also to ask you to contribute to like-minded causes in her support and in light of Pride and the Black Lives Matter movement. So, Andrew, what song do you have about Marsha P. Johnson or in celebration of her?
1: Um, The song I have brought is entitled River of Sorrow, and it's by a band called Antony and the Johnsons. Yes, the Johnsons part of the band name is a reference specifically to Marsha P. Johnson.
0: Oh, interesting. Wasn't sure if that was the case.
1: So Antony and the Johnsons is a band, a a project uh, by Anoni. Am I saying that right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I
1: don't know. Um, But she's, uh, uh, she's English, right?
0: Yeah, from Sussex, I think.
1: Ah, a s- Sussieffian.
0: A, su- a, su- a succession.
1: She's a succession musician. You know how there's session musicians and then there's succession musicians. That's you know, session musicians play for like random for like random recording sessions, and then succession mm-hmm. musicians played for the recording session for the theme to the TV show Succession.
0: Oh, I thought they were just prepared for the next coronation of. Uh...
1: Yep, who's next in line to the throne, huh? Uh,
0: Tell us, Gabe, who is it? I mean, it would be Charles. I
1: cannot confirm, I have no idea.
0: Listen, a good friend of mine once told me that I should pay attention to the British royal family. And I thought that was ridiculous, but also I understood her point.
1: (laughs) Anyway, it's a little weird to talk about the name of this band because it does use her birth name, her dead name. But she, even while, like, publicly using the name Anoni, she was using the band, Anthony and the Johnsons. So it's confusing, but she, unlike other people who have, like, renamed their previous projects, for the name changes, she seems okay doing this. She seems not too worried about, like, the way that the public or the press talk about her. She's very comfortable with just talking about herself in the way that she wants to be talked about, which is uh, cool, I think.
0: Yeah, so I not at all familiar with Anthony and the Johnsons. Uh however, uh I was like doing some very minimal research on who this person was, and I was like, Oh shit, this is a Noni who released an incredible album, I think in 2016. Two thousand eighteen? Shit. I should probably know that. I think it was two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen, called uh hopelessness, which won a bunch of awards and was like a big deal, and I had listened to it and really loved it. So that's cool. Um, And and that project is just under the Anoni moniker, um, but all caps.
1: I did not know her music, but since finding this song and really enjoying it, I have listened to All of Hopelessness and it's fucking great. Yes,
0: it's an excellent album. Well-deserved critical acclaim.
1: So this song, River of Sorrow, is off of her first Antony and the Johnsons album, which is self-titled. And in addition to the Band name being a reference to Marsha P. Johnson, this song specifically is about Marsha P. Johnson also. And it's just gorgeous. I don't know if this is the kind of thing, kind of song that you would like from an aesthetic standpoint, Gabe.
0: Um, It doesn't fall into like my normal listening, but it's so like classical. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like aesthetically, it's just great. You know, I wouldn't normally just like put this on, but it's it's excellent and I loved it. It feels at times to me very Broadway. Yeah. And part of that is the instrumentation and the vocal style. That's almost a little operatic with how much vibrato she uses.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels almost like, it does feel, I think Broadway is a, a good way of saying it, or almost like, I mean, it feels a little bit, uh dirtier. It feels a little bit off Broadway to me, I think. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. But there's so much like I think actually this is part of it. There's so much just like passion, raw passion behind it that it it makes me feel like it's like a like if I were to see this in a a musical, I would expect it to be like a a one woman show where she's like poured her heart and soul into this into this piece kind of thing, you know. So I love this time. Um, something that I love about this song is it's it's a very like simple and straightforward structure. Like it's just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus. Although it's a little different in that it's like, I guess it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Yeah. But because of the, the ability that she has, the vocal ability that she has, it doesn't feel recycled. Like some of that sort of standard structure can sometimes get you to where like you're at the near the end of the song you're like okay just get through this last course and let's be done with this like you've just done the same thing over and over she has so much variation in it which is again something that is more common in a more classical context right if you're repeating something if you're doing a da capo aria you got to do that A section differently the the second time you're just not not just repeating it for the hell of it you're repeating it so you can expand upon it And that's something I think she does with every single repeated chorus, which is uh, so beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's how I prefer, I think, most vocal music in this style or uh, in this tradition of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Every chorus should be a little bit bigger, at least, because otherwise it's kind of boring. Like, yes, the human ear likes repetition. But if you're singing the exact same thing in the exact same way, it's not nearly as powerful as upping the ante every time. Right. And, right, that's a very Broadway thing to do. The last chorus is, you know, you've got the kick line and the finale and the whole cast is on stage. And
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that this is a kick line chorus.
0: Yeah, this is more like, you know, in the last chorus, <laughs> if this were a Broadway show, in the last chorus, the vocalist would, be ha- would have actual tears and, you know, the whole thing. Maybe that's a little melodramatic, but I think my point stands.
2: Into the darkness, past no faces in the real Hear me, I'm whispering.
1: Uh, so what song do you have for Marsha P. Johnson, Gabe? And a reminder that this is our theme section and not our new section, so I assume it'll be some ancient song from a thousand years ago that's about Marsha P. Johnson.
0: That's right, Andrew. This song was released all of seven days ago. Uh, eight, <laughs> eight days ago as of the release of this podcast. Okay, okay. So, it, you know, technically kind of fall. We would accept it, though, if it came out. Whatever. So June 16th. Yeah. Um, this is fight like Ida B and Marsha P from Rick Wilson. We no one on drugs no more on black duck. Politicians just rug. Ain't no help from above. They don't wanna see us up, 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 up,
2: up. Let my niggas grow. Up, 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 Everybody up. up, up, up. Right, Everybody fish.
0: Uh yeah, again, this is a pretty new track and uh, maybe that's not shocking, given that, uh, given the current like state of the United States, which is like you know Black Lives Matter, and it's also Pride. Like the reason we have this theme is the same reason that people are releasing songs about Marsha P. Johnson. Right. Good point. I will say this is not the only song I found from the last week that references Marsha P. Johnson in the title of the song. Oh, really? Yeah, I found another song that I almost brought. I was like, this came out on Friday. Is that like, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Um, So, Rick Wilson, Chicago hip-hop artist, rapper, uh, MC, who is still less well-known than some of his other Chicago contemporaries, Uh, But he came from the same creative writing program that generated uh, such luminaries as Jamila Woods and Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa called uh, the Young Chicago Authors, which is just uh, like a creative writing program in Chicago that apparently all of a lot of great Chicago rappers go to and has kind of spawned its own community and, and subculture from like the graduates of the program. Um, he is, as you can gather from the song, uh, something of an activist. Yeah. Um, something of an activist is really underselling him, actually. He's been very, very active for the last six or seven years, especially with regards to the prison abolition movement and defunding the police before the current language of the current movement. He presented, along with seven other people, uh, at the U.N. in Geneva in 2014 um, as part of the We Charge Genocide Project, which justifiably, I think, accuses the Chicago Police Department of genocide of black and brown lives. And he's released, I think, one full-length and some smaller works and EPs that he's done with other people. More or less everything has kind of centered around kind of uh, this activist streak that Rick Wilson has. The nice thing about this track is it, it is a new song, even though it's not fitting into our new song category, but it means that we have very contemporary things that Rick Wilson has said about it. Like, you know, there's a Twitter thread from a week ago where he talks about the song and in particular its emphasis on non-male black voices in the fight for freedom and equality and representation in the United States, um, such as Ida B. Wells or Marsha P. Johnson or the other many names that he lists off in this song, Harry Tubman, Charlene Carruthers, um, et cetera, et cetera. So he, he has a little Twitter thread which talks about why he thinks the song is important and why he put it out now and to encourage people to read and to study and to partake in the activist culture rather than just um, being passive consumers. And I think that's uh, an excellent point and really important. And he actually, I think, throws a little bit of a diss in the track. I ain't come here to play woke musician. I don't say we gon' win for the listens, which especially in light of... Did you see that really tasteless uh, like Hollywood actor black and white video, Andrew?
1: Since the beginning of quarantine, I have avoided any video with Hollywood actors in it.
0: It's just like a bunch of white people, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Come on. Uh, and... I think Rick Wilson is pretty explicitly calling out that style of, you know, quote unquote activism. The cop to kill Mike
2: Brown, that's not a saviour. Y'all be treating laws like religion. I ain't come here to play woke musician I don't say we gon' win for the lists. Niggas tired of the Twitter feed lynches. Free up all my trans siblers in prisons. Why they steady punching down, they don't wanna see us. Uh uh up uh,
1: uh I don't know. Uh, what do you think of the song, Andrew? I liked it on a musical level and then I loved it on like a on the straightforwardness of this not to diminish any other activist song that's more general but like last week we had two tracks about rodney king right um and mine was an instrumental jazz song with a title that was referencing the unjust trial of those officers um and with some other stuff in there but this is just like going straightforward and saying like there's a there's a line. Y'all need to stop being racist. Y'all need to stop being anti-black. Y'all need to stop killing black people. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. It's very clear like it's a it's a call to action and very direct.
0: That's a great point. And I think that's the language used around Black Lives Matter um has been so direct. Um even in the media, it feels like there's like less metaphor. People are people are talking about Concrete action in a way that I haven't really experienced in my lifetime. Um, Certainly not on a national level. And I think the song is part of it. Um, It's also a jam.
1: It really is. Which
0: I don't think we should fail to mention. It's like groovy as hell. Uh, The producer of the song is Norbert Bueno, who I can find nothing about, but obviously can throw down a pretty good beat. (laughs) And there's like a punchy chorus, and it's like... Like, you could dance to this. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an earworm. So, I appreciate, like, like as you said, it's, it's great on both like, a song level and a straightforward lyrical level. And that's what drew me to it. Yeah. Like women's
2: eye black eyes, like trans, like girls' eyes, like intersex eyes, like queer eyes, like women's eyes, like people's eyes.
0: What glorious, grandiose new tune have you brought for us this week, Andrew?
1: I have brought a song entitled Hard Life by Salt Salt Salt? Nobody knows.
0: Salt. Uh, you need to really yell it though, it's all caps.
1: SALT! <laughs> SALT, it's S-A-U-L-T, all caps. Uh, I don't know who they are and neither does anyone else, which is a cool thing. They've only been around for like a year and this is their third album. It's some sort of collective that is, I believe, UK-based who like is not public about who's in the group really, which is cool.
0: That is cool. It is also seems crazy impossible. How is that? How can anybody still do that in 2020? How are you pulling that off successfully?
1: So they put out, again, I said their third album in the year of them being a thing. This album is called Untitled, and then parentheses Black Is. It's, I mean, I I must imagine that some of it was written and put together more than a month ago. And I guess it's not surprising that it is because the topics that it is tackling are age old. But especially in light of the events of the past month. It's really incredible to to get this, like, 20-track album that is pretty much 20 anthems in support of the uh, widespread movement across the country right now. Gabe, did you listen to this album? I
0: didn't listen to it all the way through. Sadly, haven't yet had the time. It is something I plan to do tonight, but post-podcast, alas. But um, I, I I wanted to acknowledge your point about how this feels so seemingly timely which is in part really a confirmation bias because black artists are putting out albums like this all the time but i think yeah. in, in like back-to-back weeks now we've had this record and um the run the jewels record which also felt like extremely timely like shockingly so and to me what that emphasizes is the real failure on the part of america or the world really these are british artists right to get shit together like yeah, we've been working on this album for like six months and a year longer and obviously it's still going to be relevant we have no doubt of that this feels like what that's saying you know it's a hard
2: life, fighting to be seen it's a hard life. we were born to Leo.
0: I love this song. I've loved the songs that I listen to. It feels like an incredible mashup of so much black musical tradition.
1: The my favorite thing about this song is it completely flips in the middle of the song and becomes a completely different song. Yeah. But the lead up to that isn't so abrupt. I mean, it is abrupt with like these intercut bits of the finally we've reached the end line that then becomes just like a chorus over and over for that totally different version of the song. But it's just intercut in bits and uh, like muffled and stuff. It feels like a live DJ set where they're just like flipping over to just, they're like hitting just the melody and then taking you back into the, like keeping the original beat. I don't know. It feels almost like virtuosic. I know that it's a produced product, but like, I feel like I could totally believe watching a very good DJ make that happen in real time and that's what it feels like it's a it's a recording
0: like a song to unite in like the blending of these very like black American styles. Even, mm. even though as we've established these artists are probably British. Um, but honestly we don't know. We don't know. And also an enormous amount of black American music has been exported into its own styles in Britain but with the same themes because black British people suffer from like, quite a, m- a bit of the same institutional racism uh, as Americans
1: Um, I like what you said about it being something that unites Um, I think another way it does that is it feels like the first song really the first half of the song the first song of this song feels like a song to march to it's got like a very constant beat that you could march to and it's repeating lines that uh, get added onto over and over as as they repeat um, with harmony and, and with more instrumentation and like little call-outs in between lines and stuff like that. So it feels almost like a chant as you're marching um, that the more you repeat it, the more people add on to it. And then it really just sort of like breaks into a run in that second half. Finally we
2: reached it
1: So Gabe, uh, what new stuff do you have to give to me for me to own now? That is now my thing. I have it now.
0: Well, you don't have it yet. But shortly answered. No a good fear. Point. Um, this is a wonderful collaboration between Roy Ayers, Adrian Young, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad um, on their record, Roy Ayers JID002, uh-huh. titled Sunflowers. album titles musicians (laughs) so hard to keep them all straight um so uh this is put out by a label called jazz is dead
1: oh that's the jid
0: which is the jid and it's the second so it's the 002 jid 002 and it's featuring primarily roy ayers who is roy ayers you might ask if you don't know andrew do you know who roy ayers is
1: i do not i would love to learn um, so Royers
0: is somebody that I was familiar with previously, but not uh, very intimately familiar with. He is, I think, the premier uh, like jazz vibraphone player. He has been around, well, he was born in 1940 and was massively influential all throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s. And he's still making music at nearly the age of 80. And he makes funk and soul and jazz. Um, at one point, I think in the 90s, he was considered like the most... Heavily sampled musician for the entire genre of hip hop and rap. Wow, um, that's probably no longer true, but like his music is everywhere. You've certainly heard it. Um, you've heard him play, and the this entire album is great. But I like this particular song because you can really hear the skill uh, that he has on the vibraphone. So that's that's uh, that's artist number one of this collaboration. Artists number two and three are Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Adrian Young, who I'm putting together as a duo because they've done a lot of work together recently, but they are also independently excellent. Uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad is one member of the trio known as A Tribe Called Quest, and Adrian Young is a producer, multi-instrumentalist, and all-around excellent musician. The two of them, independent of A Tribe Called Quest, the two of them have... Worked together quite a bit, especially recently they worked uh, a little bit with Kendrick on um, his record Untitled Unmastered. So anyway, the three of them apparently have gone together and worked together on various projects, which is such a cool, disparate collection of brilliant musicians coming together and doing something that's great, which I love. Um, and <laughs> is probably... I know this isn't like just an internet thing, but it feels really like great collaborations are very easily facilitated by the internet so that's one thing i'm thankful to the internet for although i guess freddie mercury and david bowie were doing things you know in the 80s so
1: yeah fair
0: um anyway so i would call this jazz but with a very modern bent to
1: it but gabe jazz is dead oh shoot Hmm. didn't think about that did you
0: So I want to talk about my favorite section of this song. Yeah. Which is really the whole thing, but but it, it, it feels like uh, individual in some way. There is a section where there are like three, like dueling counter melody solos going at once between the trumpet, the saxophone and the vibes. Um, so you've got like, I don't, I can't figure out who like the singers are on this song or the other instrumentalists. They just have like a list of other people that have worked on the album, but there's like multiple of every instrument, so it's hard to tell. But you've got Roy Ayers just like on this like virtuosic vibraphone solo like up and down like all over. But uh, is it a keyboard? It's not a keyboard. What do you call it?
1: A sounding board? uh i mean it is a keyboard it's a board of keys well they're not keys you they are keys well, you, they're absolutely key yeah, i mean you push down keys that's not what that means they are keys it's not
0: what that means okay great so he's going all around the keyboard i'm just gonna blow past that um all up and down the keyboard um and meanwhile you've got like the trumpet and the saxophone like chiming in and running over each other and like Feels like there's like conversation, but there's just this guy who's like, "Yeah, I'm good," and like just like wailing on the vibraphone. Um, But it's also like set into the background, so it's like a little understated. I don't know. It's just I just think it's really cool.
1: When you sent me the song, I responded by saying, Dan, this is delicious, and I stand by that, uh, by that assessment of this, of this song. It is incredibly delicious.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great, a great take, Andrew. I really do. Uh, the, the drums are have pretty much entirely seeded the rhythm section to the bass, which I appreciate. Um, and the bass is hella groovy, to use a California expression. I feel like vibes are an under uh, they're one of like the rare instruments of jazz.
1: I don't think that's true.
0: No, I do think that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are.
0: No, okay, so the core the core instruments of jazz are going to be like piano, electric or grand or upright, whatever, bass drums, and then you have the horns which are, you know, trumpet, trombone, saxophone, predominantly. Those are your core jazz instruments.
1: I think the next step is clarinet and vibes.
0: See, I'd say clarinet and flute and then vibes. Maybe it's irrelevant, but most people probably aren't really familiar with the sound of a vibraphone. Not I would, well,
1: I would say that, yeah, like you, you have definitely heard a vibraphone a million times, but you might not be like, ah, that's a vibraphone.
0: I think it's easy on this. Just be like, "What's
1: that cool piano?"
0: Yeah, right. It kind of sounds like an electric piano, an electric keyboard, even though it's not. It's more like a metal marimba.
1: Well, as as we've just said, it, it is a keyboard. So,
0: what is that whole class of instruments?
1: What? I mean, mallet percussion?
0: Well, yeah, but like, so a timpani is mallet percussion.
1: No, it's not. I know, Gabe. I understand you're you're breaking down words and what they might refer to, but there are actually categories that have names.
0: I thought you didn't take you know that, that
1: organology mean? class. <laughs> I didn't, but I did play percussion for a long time. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, mallet percussion is a thing. I think mallet percussion is an integral part of jazz. And even if you hate, and disrespect mallet percussionists. I think they're important.
0: Is that a reference to me? Yeah. I don't hate or disrespect mallet percussionists.
1: Well, we'll see how it sounds after the edit. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was really into this. I thought this was a lovely song. Um, I wish you had uh, picked it sooner so I'd had more time before this recording to listen to it.
0: I mean, Andrew, probably the reason you didn't get you the chance to listen to my song so much is you were <laughs> too busy listening to the Phoebe Bridgers album, huh?
1: Yes, that is exactly what I was going to say. I was uh, weeping to punish her once more in the hour before we recorded this.
0: So... We're not going to really explain who Phoebe Bridgers is. She's an indie singer-songwriter who makes sad music. But she is, I think, one of the voices of like our generation's uh, music. I don't know. Is that, Do you think that's true? I, you no, that I really do think that's true. I think it's true. Yeah, she's the late millennial.
1: Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking.
0: Um. So this is her second... Solo studio record. Uh, yes, and it's really fucking good.
1: It's absolutely incredible. I keep listening to the whole thing all the way through and just being amazed at how incredible it is. And then listening to indiv- individual songs and be like, "Wow, this is the best song on the album." And then listening to any other song and be like, "Oh wait, but this song is so good."
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm keeping like a running. For the first time ever, I'm keeping like a running list of like my favorite albums of the year. Yeah, uh, and this is. Easily in my top three
1: um. Yes I want to do like just, just a quick overview Of this whole album So like you said this is her second Studio album after Strangers in the Alps Which came out what 2017 Yeah, three Very years ago. recently um, And it really feels like Like the perfect Sophomore album um, And something great about this album I'm sure if she were Completely on her own she would have made an excellent Album again but this album also features a lot of co-writing and features of her friends who are musicians. And I say that as if they're just like her friends first and musicians second when they're like Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes fame.
0: Yeah. And the other people that she has worked with historically, you know, are also like voices kind of of our generation in this style of music.
1: Right. Yeah. Julian Baker's on here. Lucy Dakes is on here. Right. Um, and of course, like any good Phoebe Bridges album, most of the songs mention murder of some sort. <laughs> Just death. There's a lot of death, but there's a lot of specifically murder.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah. And she is wearing a skeleton in the album. Well, outcome. she's
1: always wearing some sort of. She's always a skeleton or a ghost or some kind of thing like that.
0: Spooky scary.
1: I would say the most Phoebe Bridger's line on this album is from "Moon Song," which is, uh, we hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died. <laughs> which is just, and it's sung so sadly, but it's also weirdly like not super cool, but also it's sad, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I know I totally understand where you're coming from. This is such a weird niche thing, only for people that have listened to too much of her music. Oh
1: um, I but like that's a thing about her music, and that's not like uh. There's so many aspects of this that make this the most Phoebe Bridgers line to me, where it's like it's a specific music reference. It's a reference to Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton, which, if you are not familiar, which you probably are because you're probably my mother listening to this. Uh, that song is about Eric Clapton's son, who as like a toddler fell. Out of a uh, fell off like a balcony, and died, in a hotel room or something like that. So this song is like we hate the song Tears in Heaven, but you gotta admit that it's sad that Eric Clapton's baby died. Um, And Uh it's like this weird, like irreverent, but like, but referential and like personal version of this thing that's similar to like there's a there's a line in um, Smoke Signals from her first album that's talking about like playing ace of spades when lemmy died which like that could be a complete non sequitur if you don't know what that means if you don't know who lemmy is right and what the song ace of spades is
2: we hate tears in heaven but it's sad that his baby
0: I just want to say that I think Chinese satellite is my favorite song on the album. I don't think that's a hot take for it. I think that's going to be a lot of people's favorite songs and I'm kind of the generic. A lot of people who listen to a few Bridgers, I'm sure that you have a different favorite song, Andrew, but
1: <laughs> I've, I'm, I have real trouble deciding what my favorite song is. I don't think it's Chinese satellite, but there's just so many um, beautiful pieces of music on this album. It's, it's hard for me to pick. Um, I do also just want to quick say that there's a lot of co-writing credits um from christian lee hudson who whom i love i saw him open for julia jacklin and i've been a big fan of his his album came out on a week that we didn't do a new episode so i didn't get to talk about it but uh his album beginners is absolutely incredible uh i'm sure we will talk about it one day or maybe we'll put out that recording that we did for that i was gonna say
0: it's not that we didn't record an episode we just it became irrelevant very quickly so we did not release it yes yeah, so one last thing about the last song of the album, which is I Know the End. I This entire album is, like, kind of a downer, and I mean, it is a downer, and it's intense and sad, and, like, the end of the song is, like, really emotional, and she's, like, yelling and screaming, and then all the instrumentals drop out, and she's, like, breathing hard into the microphone, like, and like laughing and it's one of those things that makes her seem so relatable and it grounds the album and it makes it feel not so serious and it's just that it's part of what contributes to like finishing the album and like not being like oh my god this is i uh, i'm so uh, uh but also like okay like there's like some optimism almost just in those like that little laugh at the end.
1: Yeah, and and in the fact that there's so many people who join her for that like minute long outro of people like yelling, "The end is here." Yeah, um, she's there's a quote from her that says, "There's something so victorious about singing fucked up lyrics with a bunch of people," <laughs> um, which is pretty cool. Um, I want to read a, a tweet from a, a friend of mine who t- who tweeted about this album, and I thought it perfectly like epitomized. A lot of feelings that i'm sure all of us are having and have been having for the last several months about the general you know world at large and so uh he said i cannot wait for the day i get to see this album performed live standing close with a crowd of hundreds of people and together we all do the scream at the end of i know the end
0: I just wanted to give a shout out to the braids record, which I did really enjoy um called Shadow Offering. It's very good. you should listen to it. That's all I have to say about it. The second song is called young Buck and it was released as a single, but it's really really good anyway that's all oh I did
1: hear that and that was really good. yeah, it's
0: fun fun album. you can follow us on Twitter at fresh press pod uh we have a Spotify playlist with tracks that I probably need to update now that I'm thinking about it yeah. But that usually contains most of the music that we put out on this podcast.
1: Um, And we also want to uh, mention this week, we talked last week about the Okra Project. And this week we want to highlight the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, which is an organization that is uh, really excellent. They do all kinds of uh, like fellowships and classes and workshops and all kinds of things in support of the black trans community in America and in memory of Marsha P. Johnson. So if you want to help out with them, their website is MarshaP.org. And then, of course, there's a thousand buttons to make a donation to the Institute. And I would highly recommend you do that this week if you can.
0: Yes. Continue to be active and support the communities that are in need. And if you can, get out on the streets. That's awesome. Um, and if you can't, there are so many other ways to contribute to this national movement in this time. Um, With that, we will leave you. Um, We'll be back on June 30th. Until then, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Press.